What's up? <laughs> Nothing much. <laughs> Just ready to talk some terror. Listen yeah. to <laughs> a lot of fucking records. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. a a lot. Getting getting through this discography was uh, I didn't I didn't expect it to be easy, but it was. It's kind of grueling at points. Um, not to say that any of it is bad, but there's just so That's much. That's the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, do you guys have any any uh, points of order before we get started? Not over here. Cool. Go ahead and oh. get right into it. Cool. Welcome, everybody, to Watch Me Pod. Uh, we are the Wendy's Super Bar for uh, Punk Emo and Hardcore. Um, I am, as always... Your host, Jim. I'm Hugo. Uh, with us today, we have Nick Acosta from Chicago's New Morality Zine. Uh, if for some reason you live under a rock and haven't <laughs> checked out New Morality Zine yet, uh, they're one of the biggest tastemakers in hardcore right now, um, doing a lot of stuff uh, across the country, uh, really elevating a lot of uh, cool bands. They've really been on a tear this year, uh, put out stuff from a band called downward that's really cool uh some songs by a band called Exide and some songs by a band called uh spite house all really good stuff uh, just to name a few um been heavy hitters nick how are you today good good doing well uh tired you know it's a thursday night but um like like we said before we started definitely ready to to get through some terror talk so that kind of like has me going at least yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, today we're going to be talking about terror. Uh, <laughs> you know them, you love them. Maybe you don't. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, my, mileage varies, but they're undeniably an important band, and it is worth having just a um, nose-to-the-grindstone conversation about them. Um, they are an American beatdown hardcore band with, with big set of quotation marks uh, from Los Angeles, California, founded in 2002. Um, really important to, I think, note that they were kind of a super group already when they started, because mm-hmm. Scott Fogel, the singer, um, had been in a band called Slugfest, a band called Despair, and kind of most prominently a band um, called Buried Alive. Uh, Scott came to Buffalo, came to LA from Buffalo, New York in 2002, and linked up with Nick Jett and Todd Jones, uh, who had both been uh, in Carry On, um, iconic straight edge band out of LA. And Todd Jones obviously went on to be the singer in Nails. Um, I think before we get into <laughs> digging through the really extensive discography that Terror has put out over the years, uh, I want to I just sort of get everybody's read on like what their personal relationship with Terror was. You know, like when did you find out about them? Where do they rank sort of in your... Uh, scale of importance of hardcore bands um hugo let's start with you um this is once again where i out myself as <laughs> as, as a poser but um as someone who came to hardcore pretty late as an emo kid they're a band that's always mentioned in interviews or whatever when people ask bands how'd you get into hardcore terror is usually the first one they list first show i know for you jim that's the case And it was a band that I've tried to listen to, but the discography has always been a little hard and I didn't really know where to start. So I just never 
bothered with. They're just a band that's around and taking young bands on tour or whatever. So this exercise is kind of my first dive into it. Yeah. So very recent for me. I feel like Hugo, I feel like over like quarantine, there was a text exchange at one point between you and I, where we were like, yo, if I'm going to listen to terror, like what should I listen to first? So it's kind of good to come full circle then. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And I just <laughs> didn't do it. Cause I think <laughs> I tried, I tried listening to lowest on the low and the way it's on Spotify makes it seem like a behemoth because it has like live recordings oh, and demo. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, now going back, I like Lowest of the Low and we'll get into it, but it's like, I think if I would have started with the demo, which we'll get into, I would have been like, holy shit, this is perfect. But, you know, it's just that it comes eventually and, you know, it just didn't happen then. <laughs> Nick, what about you? What was your honor um, into, into Terror Zone? Yeah, I feel like Hugo almost like ripped like a story out of like my my life uh, just with that description. But I definitely, uh, it was definitely in high school, probably junior year of high school. I remember um, sitting in Spanish class, and at the time, I was definitely into a, a lot of new metal, a lot of like straight metal, a lot of like punk, like Casualties, Exploited, like stuff like that. I hadn't really found, like. Minor Threat I had heard of and had heard it like seven seconds, but not really like identified them as like hardcore at that time. Um, and I had a friend that played in a couple of bands in Colorado where I was living, going to school. And he's like, yo, he's like, you like this stuff? He's like, you also got to check out this band called Terra. They got this track called Push It Away. You're going to love that shit. And I was like, all right, like, I'll, I'll check that out. And um, So lo and behold, don't remember exactly where I would have first listened to it. Cause I mean, this was in the, the time of like waiting at your dial up with the screeching sounds of AOL to, to try and be lucky enough to get like Napster or whatever other like LimeWire type bullshit you could get. Um, but then I definitely remember shortly thereafter, maybe this was like simultaneous is that Push It Away was on, um, I think like an AMP magazine, like hardcore comp. Um, so that's the thing where I first heard Tara and it was like, oh, what? This Madball song is pretty sick too. And just kind of like going from there from a comp. And that was kind of like my first introduction to Tara. And I think it's like, again, it's that band too, where it was modern and contemporary enough though it like it caught me. So like Earth Crisis and bands like that, like I think kind of came in when I didn't really kind of figure out where they fit in with what I was listening to. But for some reason, Tara ended up like really sticking with me early on. Yeah, that that makes sense. They really are a band that makes an impression on you, uh, for better or worse, when you first hear them. They're just such a distilled, again, which is something we'll get back to, such a distilled version of modern hardcore. For me, um, Terror played literally like the first big room show that I went to. Um, the first like big room heavy show that I went to in like March of 05, I want to say. So I was a sophomore in high school and it was a fucking metalcore tour, right? So it was a Shadows Fall, All That Remains, Zeo, and Terror, right? And so, like, they were sort of the token hardcore band on it. And I was, for me at that point, like, I had really only heard metalcore and, like, the American hardcore stuff from the early 80s. I didn't know that there was any sort of middle ground. I was sort of just discovering that. But I was immediately... I was immediately taken by it and um, 
it was the first time that I had heard somebody really do good stage banter, right? Like Fogel obviously is known for his Fogelisms, and I met, I remember him introing um, one with the underdogs, being like, you know, this is a song about being in the scene, and you know, the fact that we're all outcasts and we're all here for each other. I was like, no, oh, I think I can vibe with this shit. This is like music for fucking weird people who aren't who aren't fucking dorks. Uh, we we're actually we are we are yeah debatably yeah here here we are years um, later yeah exactly uh, so so that definitely stuck with me and um, they have always ever since that point kind of been been a north star for me um, and I it's been a really fun exercise like really leading up to this episode getting chummy with their body of work again and I mean they've straight up just over the last year and a half become a, a band that stays in my my regular rotation um without further ado i think that we we might as well just start talking <laughs> the terror discography because this is quite the exercise um terror straight up again it's important to note that terror really did kind of start out as a super group everybody involved had been in bands uh bands that had done a decent amount of stuff and so when they self-released their demo in 2002 they just got a whole bunch of heat out of the gate. If you, one of my favorite sort of pieces of nostalgia material is the Hellfest 2002 DVD. And there is just like palpable hype around Terra. Like Terra had been a band for only a couple of months at that point. And they're already the talk of the entire festival. Um, and I think they, they close to headlined it. If we're, it was definitely one of those situations where if they didn't headline, they definitely had the breakthrough set of the weekend. Um, it's like might be the best demo ever <laughs> like it's a really it's a really god tier demo for sure um and i just think that it's unbelievable when a band can have a have a first release that is as comprehensive and as good as it is in four songs and like generate that much buzz right that's obviously the ideal what's what's wild too is I'm just now looking on Discogs at the pressing for the demo. Did, did either of you look at this? Like, am I, am I reading these numbers correctly? But the first press, there was 1,500 in black, and then it's like split into like 158, 525, 360, like insane numbers of demo seven inches. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Because they just, I'm pretty sure that they just like put out that demo and then like toured a sh like played a shit ton of shows. Like they might have like legitimately done like a full US on that demo. Yeah, because the whole start of the band was like, we just want to be in something that tours because their other stuff was, that was like the thing. They were hitting that age, like that late 20s age where it's like people just can't do that anymore. So I think... That was the whole thing. Vogel was just moving to LA and we're like, let's do something that can actually tour. Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty fucking wild. And I think too, like, not only are the songs great, but the art is rather iconic. I feel like at this point, like as simple as it kind of is, you're kind of like, all right, tarot demo. All right, tarot demo. It's like tattoo worthy album yeah you always I, and i feel like they've recycled it in some way shape or form you know every four years you kind of see that again yeah no doubt i mean like they're they're a band, a band who has mastered the branding game and put out some really iconic branding over the course of the years and um 
with subsequent albums that we'll get into, like the brand was almost stronger than the album. Uh, so for them to like hit it, hit it that well out of the gate is is pretty impressive. Um, moving into the next release, an EP. Um, oh, do you mind if I just get go in on the on the demo? Go in on the demo more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we're moving a little too quick. Oh yeah, this, for sure. Let's, let's keep let's keep balling on like, it. This is like this is kind of perfect, like modern hardcore. Someone who didn't never heard this, I was like. I was listening to it before before we got on the call in my room. I'm like, this just makes me want to start thrashing like a fucking idiot in my bedroom, hardcore. It's just like top tier stuff. And like, I think even the opening riff on the third song kind of reminds me of a turnstile song or and shit. I don't know. It's it's just really perfect. And if, like, if I was trying to lead someone to where to start, I think this the demo is where you start because it's everything's there even like the even the opening lines it's like this is very much Vogel doing a disband almost kind of thing because he was just getting fed up with people kind of shitting on him for like talking about hardcore during the end of buried buried alive it seems so it's like everything's there which is just pretty amazing with this demo Hell hath no fury like a front man who starts a band with a chip on his shoulder, like straight up. Um, and it's never gone away. No, yeah. <laughs> That's like a running theme. I just think that like we're gonna we're gonna get I'm gonna harp on this a bunch, but the fact that Fogel is from Buffalo and has this like almost bordering on stupid level of work ethic that people from the Rust Belt have factors in in a pretty major way to why terror were so successful bands that get this big and hardcore don't get this big accidentally they get this big by working their fucking asses off and we'll circle back to that uh anything else about the demo before we move on guys let's go no i just had to go in no that's i'm I'm glad you gave it its flower its proper amount of flowers (laughs) because it Um, deserves all the praise it gets it's still uh, it's still the terror uh, the terror release that ends up in my rotation the most, um, just because it's so distilled, it's so comprehensive, and so few songs. Uh, Two thousand three L- lowest of the low uh, sophomore EP came out on Bridge Nine. Um, a band really knows how to pop off a record right away. It just goes right in. Um, they're they're displaying some some sort of extreme mosh part literacy on this on this record i think uh i had the experience listening to this where it's sort of like the modern hardcore version of kind of like watching a classic movie or looking at classic art and like seeing sort of the root source of where the tropes come from uh it's i forget what i had this experience with recently but it's like a really special feeling um really relentlessly fast on this album they're just going at the cheat beat every single fucking song um the mosh part and keep your distance might be like the best mosh part i encountered this entire time makes me want to throw a fucking car um again the mosh part literacy is absolutely just off the chain particularly a thing that i think they really hit well on this album is like going from the heavy mosh into the skank part 
they do that really capably a number of times, which I think is fun. Uh, Nick, go over to you. Yeah, I mean, after I heard Push It Away, the record either had just come out or was out already. So this was like an easy get for me at that time. Um, There is not a bad track on this fucking record. Like Like not even close to anything skippable. And again, maybe it is like nostalgia, but I think you again, you can play this for any contemporary or modern hardcore kid to be like, oh, this is the shit. Um, yeah, so I think, I think it's phenomenal. Again, Push It Away, I think just still again is just like lodged in my brain as being a, a standout track for me. But again, um, yeah, Better Off Without You. Again, opening track just like slays. And, and this, like you mentioned, is kind of like the the primary point of where you see even lyrically, and, and again, like, I guess we'll distill it down, but it's like years later, Vogel really is not talking about anything that is quite different, but f- somehow he's able to still pull it off where it's not completely monotonous. Um, so I, re- I really enjoy it. I think it's a fantastic fucking record. I think all, all the players too, kind of like we mentioned involved in this record are amazing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's great. I feel like that my heart is always going to still be mostly devoted to the Todd Jones era of the band. Um, I just feel like it's hard not to the, the, the band was just at such a, at just, they operated with such urgency on these early records. And for my money, like I, the only other record where I get this level of just complete uh, piss and vinegar from is like Haybreed satisfaction. Like that's, um hugo yeah i mean of course like it's still got the demo stuff of course of course i'm into this um uh totally just lost return five but it's only like 15 minutes which just like it just blows it just blows by um we're not quite at the time it's that like the vocalism stuff is as we'll get to later starts to wear on me it's like this stuff is still pretty pretty close and um it's still it it still hits um and there just a lot of the stuff that will become that i don't know people might be worn out by is like this is the stuff you should listen to first because it's it's just like very well executed um at what it's at what it's doing but yeah and like you said the album art just fucking rips sure does yeah every every iteration of it too yeah i was just, I, I was just about to say it's weird because like looking back and like well this this came out i remember it this way but then when you pull everything up like some of the covers are different than what i had remembered and whatnot but I, again going back to the todd jones things too Ch- todd jones thing also is like you can hear that pace like you mentioned that urgency like todd jones has a very unique playing style and it is very apparent on this record just like the in between the mosh bars, the like super fucking fast and for me as as a hardcore listener like I, I can take the heavy but then sometimes i want like the 90s heavy where it's like really sludgy and slow versus like beat down heavy but terror again just nails it where it's like here's the mosh here's the heavy but then again like we're gonna fucking get right into the wrist and so it's just yeah it's, get stuck in your head yeah, and we should probably just describe Nails a little bit, if you're not familiar, which is, like, some of the heaviest, like, 
I don't even know crust or like if you're into that RJC record, like just it feels like a furnace being blasted in your face. Yeah. Like I don't like I remember listening to Unsilent Death for the first time, and I was like, I physically had a headache after listening to it. <laughs> yeah, nails is absolutely punishing music like i would say that they 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 definitely transcend any kind of micro genre you want to try to shoehorn them into but like they have elements of power violence and elements of crust and elements of beat down um they're good they're great it's like todd jones is a, is a musical genius and nails proves it just as much as these early terror records did so and we'll get there I, i'm i'm not remembering correctly the when does Todd leave the band? Is it after this record or is it after? It's after Underdogs. Okay, after Underdogs. Okay, that's what I was going to say is because, again, stylistically, you you can, again, if you're listening for the first time, if you put these in a category, you're going to be able to tell sonically that there's a difference. Absolutely. There's like, um, there's a specific cohort that the band leaves after one with the Underdogs. Speaking of which, uh, one with the Underdogs came out in 2004 on the iconic trust kill records that we just did an episode about um somehow scott's voice got even more aggro on this record uh somehow he like leveled up on that i don't really know how that's possible but at this point like he's really like he's really established a lane and an ethos like lyrically and thematically um which i think you know ended up being the gravy of the band later on um there's a little bit more mid-tempo stuff on this record. Like he's really kind of they're they're starting to stake out territory in that in that zone. Uh, also, on this record, they really started going in on the collabs, which I think is a really important thing that they that they did kind of before everybody decided it was a good idea, and they really did it still kind of more than any other band. And like collabs on this record with real heavy hitters, right? Like jasta and Isaac and freddie madball like you don't get any bigger than that especially during this era with the sound that they were going for um i think more if you're in a hardcore band do features right like it's the coolest way to put on for your homies and have your homies put on for you and add hype to a thing and it's just really fun um i i will say though there there is a collab or like a, a guest vocal on a record later that I'm just like disappointed by. Yeah. So yeah I'm excited. I, I, I'm excited to get there because I was, I like wasn't remembering. I was like, this like this, like this is not as cool as I had remembered. So I'm excited to get there. Absolutely. Um I my just last point here is that like the record is 15 songs, but it's only 31 minutes. And it certainly doesn't overstay its welcome. And I do think that's sort of like the, the ideal length for a modern hardcore record, right? Like I think any, anything longer than 35 minutes, you lose me. And like any, any track list that's longer than the 15, 16 zone gets just cumbersome from where I sit. And so for me, this is like sort of the, the outermost limit of how overbuilt the record can be before it, it loses me. It does, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It hits that line right on. Oh, go, go, go in, Hugo. No, no, go in, Hugo. I have less to say here. <laughs> to be honest, it's good, 
but as you were saying like 15 minutes perfect length i'm like i don't need 15 songs from terror on a record to be honest it's good but i think it's it doesn't even matter if it's 31 minutes i've just there's a certain phenomenon that happens where it's like I'll listen to an hour-length metal record and it'll go by quick. Yeah. But like a 15-song, 31-minute hardcore record. There was a minute, there was a time where I was like, I could have just listened to the demo like three times and been good. <laughs> and this, it's still good. And it's, um, I think it's, we, and I've spent time with it because it's a trust skill episode and it's undeniable. Yeah. And it's important being the last Todd Jones record because I think compared to what happens in the next two records i think they get a little lost for a minute um so i think this is still great and like the title track is like i don't know i i watched a bunch of live sets it's always fun people go off for it so it's even my complaints it's still great yeah yeah i think even kind of again what you had said jim like being all this being there in the like there are very few iconic bands i guess now in like my age bracket like you could like I was there or I was aware of or I saw them from the start so again like Tara is one of those for me so when this came out again I was already privy to the band so then getting this was like oh fuck like I'm, I'm totally in I think with this release too like although it is very much still like you've got the more straightforward hardcore I think you can tell on this record like there's that lean into like the better production there's the lean into like it's a little bit beefier. And I don't know if that's, I think Frank plays on this record. I don't know if he plays on how many records after this too, but he played in Hatebreed. And so I think you're getting that point too, where like Hatebreed was doing more of like the supremacy stuff where it's like harder, like more metal kind of. And you're hearing that a little bit, I think in, in this release than you did in Lowest of the Low. But again, I, not a bad song on this record. I feel like I could listen to it. I guess it is a little bit long. Like maybe I can do without some of the parts but um it does go by rather quickly for for, me, for the number of songs there are for me it's their last no skips record <laughs> like yeah. this is this is this is the only record uh everything beyond this i i get a little um i lose a little steam at some point in the record um and like you said it's a time and place thing like yeah, for sure like that stuff the me getting frustrated with the record is only like when you're when you're taking in a band like in your regular life yeah like you have enough time between them where it doesn't feel like when you're doing a big discography dive it could just it could start to feel draining because yeah. you're just because a human isn't meant to listen to seven or eight records <laughs> in a row in a day or something. It's not a normal thing to do. Yeah. So, so I think it is a, a time and place thing, which we always, which, which I said at the top. So this was my first run through with them. Maybe, who knows, maybe in like three years, I'll be like, Hugo, you were a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, it's hard to imagine. Yeah. Like being in that position where you're like, fuck there is so much and again there is obviously like a through line with all these records too so i can see just like trying to differentiate them enough to the point where like i know this about this or i can say this about this is is hard and i think too like we're gonna get to beyond this point even myself i'm like oh there, there's something that came out that year like for some reason had no idea moving on to 2006 they were really grinding um they were 
to keep to keep up with this record release cadence and be touring as much as they did i mean it's literally just best practice territory for how to how to uh leave a legacy as a band and make sure that you have your name in everybody's mouth um it's almost like at this point they could really do no wrong because of how hard they were working um they're also running the gauntlet of uh labels and sort of kind of probably king making these labels in the process right like uh this one again always the hard way came out in 2006 on locking out records um which i had no idea yeah right it's like not a not in locking out sonic zone really at all but i'm here for it yeah did did not know that until we started researching yeah um i love how scott's voice continues to evolve um and becomes kind of more refined when you're pushing your voice at the level that he has, you just kind of have to keep Buckley talks about it too. Like you have to eventually just change things about it strategically. Um, they've really like this, this record has made it clear that they've really perfected a formula and it's so good and sophisticated that it really, it, it sticks. It has a longer welcome than most formulas, I think. Um, like it's ultimately really what we want from hardcore is stuff that is, you know, reliable and interesting, right? Like that's when you get the mix of those two things, you get really, really good material in any, in any cultural landscape. Right. And I think that terror is kind of the goaded modern hardcore band because they deliver so well on this. Um, some kind of more metallic, elements like the machine gun double kicking and strike you down is a really good example of that um and some really interesting collabs uh i think that like eddie eddie leeway being on it is like really nuts right like and then um aaron from death threat is pretty crazy as well like really going for a specific sound and having the features that sort of line up with that and then just having a fucking MERS feature on an interstitial yeah. hip hop track later on is crazy too. So like, and they really, they really established their, their stake in the uh, gang sing along anthem zone that they became so well known for later on with uh, the gang sing along part in last of the diehards. Um had a lot of notes on this uh i know that this is a a lot of people's favorite terror record and i can see why sorry for those of you that can't see me because this is obviously a podcast my my jaw just dropped at that i i don't think i've ever heard anybody say that which is wild it it might be the toledo talking uh everybody i know whose favorite that makes sense it's gotten it's made it to yeah yeah it's made it off the coast and that's kind of maybe why I, I think that's why I kind of fell off at this time is like 2006. I think I was just looking for a continuation of like the demo. And so I was getting that from bands in Seattle at the time that I don't think I was getting it from terror. Um, I think also at this point in time for me, terror. What, uh, um, always very nice. Uh, but I think they there was a period of time where the the goonish kind of element kicked in, and I don't know if it was around this time between one with the underdogs and this record, and then kind of beyond. But I definitely remember going to a couple of terror shows, being like, I don't I don't feel safe, and I don't know if I like that feeling. Um, so I think that kind of also made me step away from them at this record. 
Um, I was also depanced while, while while watching Terror at Sounds of the Underground. So this probably this record probably just came out. So maybe it's just like some bad association that I have with this record. Um, yeah. and I mean, hardcore went into a really interesting place culturally from like 05 to 2015. I think where it really, I mean, you 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 hit the nail on the head with you know the the goonishness. Uh, there was really cultural supremacy of toxic tough guy shit in hardcore for pretty much that kind of whole decade. For and sure. Terror. Um, I don't think they intended to be the prime purveyors of that, but they did end up being the prime purveyors of that. And it's crazy too, because like if you think about it now, like. I'm like, it feels antithetical to how they seem and portray and like people that go to their shows now too. So it's just, it's just mind blowing that they were able to kind of throughout the, the duration of their career, like bypass that and kind of like, not forget about it. Cause I think they would probably cop to kind of being like, it was a weird time for a lot of people, but to, to kind of think where they are today is not at all very similar to where they were kind of at this point or like kind of the crowd that then surrounded them. So it's very interesting to think about. Um, this is the record though too with the Eddie Sutton guest vocals is fucking garbage and I love Eddie Leeway but I feel like it was like a waste of Eddie Leeway space dude I yeah I I'm glad that I wasn't off base feeling disappointed by it because it was kind of like I don't know it was like biting into a fruit you expect to be tasty and having it be exactly (laughs) exactly yeah you're like oh fucking Eddie Leeway and it's like I'm stuck in the box, not in the box. Or like whatever, I'm like what the? F-? And it's like repetitive too. It's not even like something that you can kind of like get into and vibe with. Fucking wild. Yeah. Um, Hugo. So this record kind of missed me. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say this is when I started to feel the terror fatigue going through it. And when you were talking about the gang vocals on Last of Die Hard, I was like. I fucking hate that song just because it's and it's it's just when when you keep talking about like last of the diehards for better or worse last of the diehards you're living proof this is more than words it's like dude you've been talking about this I'm gonna get more angry later but it's like and I get it it's like a very positive thing but there's a certain point where it's like it just starts to have a different tone when you're on like when you're a little bit deeper or it's where I don't I don't know it's like what's up what's up dude why are you so fixated on this but but <laughs> um and it's yeah yeah that's like it's still good I guess but it's like the thing it's like terror knows what they're doing and even with the gang vocals, like they know exactly where to place them. It's like the music is almost just stage directions for the show. And and that leads me to my question too, is like I'm looking at the the track list, like I think they still probably play a couple of these songs and get a good reaction. Yeah. Like um, like Last of the Diehards, I'm sure is probably like set list worthy into 2022 i have which is crazy their, to think about i haven't watched their fya set but i might have i might have to uh after this just because i'm curious now as to like what the what material from the discography still makes it onto their set lists 
Yeah, you gotta gotta keep those opinions intact about the damned, the shamed, 2008, the first of the uh, the century media era of the uh, of the discography. Uh, some subtle shifts. Uh, I tried to be optimistic about this, but it is like it was a big uh, as a big fall off point in my enthusiasm. I have to admit. Um, Benji, the guy who plays guitar in one of my bands, is loud about how this is his favorite uh, terror record, which I think is an interesting take. Um, now, uh, continuing to like mastering the kind of mid-tempo thing, uh, a really interesting, like very of the time sort of ballad bridge before the breakdown in uh, Betrayer. I don't know, like almost kind of gets into like anthemic sort of amazing core territory a couple different times, which again, very of the time, right? It's like it's Terry trying to play ball and like acknowledge what's going on around them. And like, listen, I don't think it's any crime of theirs for doing that in a time that wasn't that lit for like there are a couple lit things happening, but overall, like kind of bear market for hardcore. Hugo, over to you. Uh, I think I like this more than you, and you seem to be being very kind in your opinions. I don't, I don't hear, I, I don't know if you're going in. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't, it didn't rustle my jimmies one way or the other, right? It's just kind of one of those things where it's just like eh, mush mouth my way through it. Yeah, and I think like, I think the next record is kind of where they get into that that new the the fully realized like post um first record terror um this is it's it's fine i mean it's like once again like there's nothing wrong with it there it's it's just like hardcore bands aren't supposed to write four records (laughs) so yeah no it's like it's crazy like hardcore bands hardcore bands are supposed to make a demo an lp and then fucking break up (laughs) and i don't want people to think i'm being a hater because i there's a lot of this i really enjoy it's just it's it's just like it's just become it's just a little more familiar where like listening to the demo up until one of the underdogs or something very revelatory to me like they're still figuring out exactly they have the sound but they're still figuring out some stuff and i i find that usually the exciting part of discovering bands so this is good but i could just listen to one with the underdogs nick yeah this one again this was the one that i was like i i didn't know it had come out kind of thing and maybe it's because too like the album art is not for me. Uh, I feel like maybe it's very of the time. So I'm trying to think of like 2008, but it just is not eye catching. Um, and then listening back, listening back on it again, thinking about like where they were at this time too. The album just seems seems very like going through the motions kind of thing. Like we know we know what we're good at. We're gonna do it here again. There's nothing kind of like with flair seems unique to me on this record whatsoever. Yeah, I think that that's, that that's a really great, great synopsis. 
this record, I think, served as a nice sort of soft runway before they made Keepers of the Faith, came out in 2010. Arguably their most celebrated record, like overall, I think it's probably their most commercially successful. It's certainly the most iconic from a branding perspective. They made a documentary about it. Um, it, it like, it's like a fucking unreal start way to start an album. They're really, really masters of starting albums well. Um, the the mosh part in Your Enemies Are Mine is sort of on the S tier, I think, of terror mosh parts. Um, the faster songs i think on this like are still better than the sort of uh oops all mosh parts mid-tempo stuff that they've been trying to do and doing a lot more lately uh and i think that like i I really i can see what even though this isn't my favorite i can very clearly see why it's the the fan favorite they almost kind of get into um metallica zone which i think is something that they start to explore a lot more in their in their uh, later releases like you're caught there's some really metallica kind of parts there um i just think that like one of the reasons that this is so commercially successful is much like with hate breed different types of fans gravitate towards different types of their discography right like you have like a the average hate breed enjoyer who likes everything from perseverance on um and then you have like the uh satisfaction only i think that's sort of analog to the people who like the todd jones material and maybe the other distribution of people who who this is their favorite record yeah for sure i think so too and again i think because the iconography of like the logo and how ubiquitous it was like it made sense that kids that were similar to Haper that weren't necessarily hardcore kids caught onto it it's so, like for them like this then becomes the terror like on point that this is their record where it's like sure Todd Jones shit is cool but yo have you heard Keepers of the Faith it's like we have we've heard it um I, I do think this record is actually really good though too like Thinking, looking at the track list too, it's it it's almost unskippable, and I, I think maybe almost unskippable. Uh, kind of like you mentioned, obviously start starting with your enemies or mine is is fucking brutal. But what I think this record does that I don't think any terror record had done before is it gives us a little more texture to vocal, and there is a definitive duality between the lyrics of return to strength and the struggle. Return to Strength, like, dude, listening to that again now after just listening to, I already forgot the name of the record before this, it's The Damn and the Shame, like, listening to the Return return to Strength track and then knowing what they had just done before feels like them acknowledging what they had done and then being like, but this, this is the Return to Strength. So yeah. I think that's fucking sick. I I think that they're, one of the things rhetorically about Terror that is amazing is that they're they're able to they're able to break the fourth wall and do sort of meta commentary on themselves in a way that is graceful and not heavy handed or corny um, because sort of everything that they do is kind of heavy handed and corny. And that's kind of, for the, sure. That's kind of the point of the band. They're able to really yeah. go into cool spaces of being really self-aware, which I think is, is dope. Yeah. And, and that's why I think shattered for me on this record is like a, is a fucking standout track. Cause it is like, 
it's not the same kind of like vocalisms and like the vocal lyric content. It's like him being, I don't know who he's talking about. I would love to know, but it's like, it's him being very vulnerable. It's like, it's almost like a terror love song where he's apologizing to somebody like a thousand sorries. Well, it just, I think it's a really good track to kind of have on this record as like a shows again, another side to the band that I, I don't know if you even get again necessarily either. Yeah, Hugo. Yeah, this is very a time and place record, like a meeting of a lot of different people. I think, what is it, Chad Gilbert of um, Newfound Glory produced yep. it. Um, you know, he's done a couple great hardcore records, modern hardcore records. And I think a lot of my complaints of the last stuff is like, a lot, like, it's not bogged down by the vocalisms or like a lot of the stuff that comes with terror when the material's not there. Um, and I think like, I think it's just really cool. This, the, the name of the record being a callback to Warzone is a really, is a really cool thing. And it feel, it feels a little more pure than like some of the lyrics on the previous records where he's talking about the same stuff, but for some reason it just hits and it's like, like, hell yeah. Cause it's just, He's like, you know, he's like 38. Like he's already even seen terror evolve from what it was like or originally. So it kind of hits as like uh, him being a near 40 year old being like, everyone I know is kind of gone, but I'm still here. It's the same thing as when he was 28, but it just, it has even a, a different and weirder inflection. So it's because I can't even imagine being like, living through that many different micro scenes as being a hardcore dude and seeing like stuff that maybe you originally hated being like revived and younger kids being like this is a shit and um yeah i think this um i think this record's kind of iconic for a reason it's almost like you had like two camps of kids it was like the kids that caught on with keepers of the faith or the kids that caught on with like have heart and it's kind of like uh, and I, I don't know if the timing matches up, but for some reason in my head, like those are two where it was like kind of synonymous. Oh, yeah. I mean, like how, like the onboarding. Have Heart was very, like, very popping still at this stage. I think that, like, really, I think really kind of at it, like a culture and ethos level, um, Dave Wood being in the band on this album was was pretty important, right? Like, I think that the fact that he was. Uh, they brought him into the band to be like the token straight edge guy. Right. And like to, because not, I don't think any of the other guys are, and like they Vogel talks about like how they had, you know, problems with, you know, partying and getting too fucked up and all that stuff. And they deliberately brought like Dave, Dave Wood in from, from down to nothing, Richmond straight edge Titans uh, to be like a young straight edge guy to keep everybody in line. And I think that like a little bit of that ethos does bleed through on this record. For sure. And I think it, I think it then even, I mean, I don't know David Wood, he, he could probably definitely fucking bury me in a ditch, but like it almost softens their aesthetic a little bit too, where it definitely seems more like, uh, th this is me, like I am them versus I think with some of those other records beat after one with the underdogs, it was like, well, you're kind of the metal tough guy, hardcore band, but with Dave Wood's edition here and kind of been, even the artwork, I think of the record is like very, almost welcoming versus kind of like standoffish like 
fuck you. Yeah, I think there's an aggro posturing that I always picked up on that kind of pushed me away from terror in the first place, which is something I just wanted to bring up, which is like a, as someone getting into hardcore later is always is always a difficult thing with a lot of the big tentpole kind of hardcore stuff. It's like I, I yeah, I feel I, I feel weird like is this just people who are into sports that like this band or something as as somebody who is very much not in that clique as a kid. It's I, a weird thing. I hit a lot of crazy powerlifting numbers to this record. I will say that much. It was my number one fucking gym bro record, which is like the most cliche thing you can possibly fucking say, but definitely had its. It works. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do we want to move on to live by the code? (laughs) Oh God. Let's go. Let's fucking go. Um, Live by the code 2013 victory records. Again, just doing the complete tour, uh, doing the complete tour to record labels. Um, at this point, I think that this was like during the stage where I feel like Terror might have signed to Victory as like <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on their motives. Uh, <laughs> this was like the sort of last gasp for Victory, I think. Um, this feels very much like the worst sequel to uh, Keepers of the Faith. Um, obviously, same sort of themes, lyrics getting pretty nostalgic. Uh, some very good anthem smithing. I'll say that they really they they do the anthemic thing uh, well. It is something that they execute as well as the you know fast ass beater stuff in the earlier part of the discography. It's just less my thing. Um, uh, I think the the title track being short and fast, sort of a nice flex on their part that they still have that that they could still do it, which becomes extremely apparent on subsequent releases. Um, I think that honestly, like being sort of label mates on victory with comeback kid at this point, like there's undeniable comeback kid, uh, (laughs) overlap in some of this material. Um, I just think that they're doing a thing that comeback kid might do better. I don't know. Go in. I honestly don't have much to say about this record. And again, I don't know, don't quite know why maybe it was that like i gave it a couple spins it was kind of like if i'm gonna dig i'm gonna go back to the last record so maybe that might be why i think there are a couple tracks here i get like the title track for some reason nothing in your head like i I read the title and i hear the song so there's a couple of tracks again like in true terror fashion are things that are digestible that like you can get repetitive in your head but nothing that is like I'm reaching to, or I'm kind of like dumbfounded by how fucking good it is. I just didn't feel that on this record. Yeah. And Cover is very like suicidal tendencies looking too. I don't know. Maybe I don't like that. Yeah. The cover is kind of whatever. It's just them. What are they like sitting on a roof or some shit? I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's once again, it's fine. <laughs> There's nothing like y'all said. It's just I'd rather just listen for keeper to keepers of the faith because it's doing the exact same thing, like you said, the same, the same themes. I think it's also just we have to be honest that when you're a touring band, 
you kind of need a record, like it's kind of just a thing, you kind of need a record, that's kind of just a game when you're doing this, and I'm not saying they phoned it in, but it's like, it's gonna happen, and it's why there's like so many records in between each other, like in a short amount of time, I mean. Listen, Foo Fighter bands are gonna have to do Foo Fighter shit. Uh, it's amazing that they it's amazing that they did fucking as much shit as they did and had it as good as they were because you could uh, easily take a big Foo Fighters all over your discography like the Foo Fighters did. <laughs> what what do you mean by what do you mean by that? You gotta elaborate more. Oh, because like it could be a commercially successful band, you could have to make a fucking shit ton of records, and Foo yeah. Fighters are the example of a band that you know, um, very commercially successful, breathtakingly so. Um, but um, they haven't made a legitimately good album in 17 years. Um, Fair. Fair. And, uh, and, and, and you can come at me in the fucking comments all you want for that. <laughs> I, I doubt uh, anybody listening about a hard is like, Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, the Foo Fighters discovery, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably, sure. a modal, probably a modal hardcore opinion <laughs> that the first two Foo Fighters records are the only ones... Uh, probably shared by most people in our wheelhouse i think that's a pretty like yeah mid hot take i don't think you're gonna get <laughs> mid yeah uh, yeah maybe kind of a you know warm glass of water take uh, um, yeah but yeah record is is fine and that's okay yeah. not <laughs> at least and it's exactly not bad. And, and that's what i was gonna say is like again if we're if we're thinking like kids are jumping in at it in on keepers of the faith like those kids are going to hear this and be like okay this shit is still really cool yeah i mean it's like for me it's like low and low like one of the mother dogs was still also really cool but i can see how you're like oh there's still a little bit of sameness to it but so i'm sure people still ate it up yeah um i'm ready to go in on what unexpectedly became uh (laughs) It's straight up my second favorite LP next to one with the underdogs. Uh, Demo being on top, one with the underdogs, second place. Third place is 25th Hour, 2015 Victory Records. I was pleasantly surprised by this record, man. I think it has the weakest cover because I think the, the, the cover is extraordinarily like 2015. Uh, like there was just a design sensibility that they, in 2015 that was on, it made its way into everything. And it was so fucking chuggy. Um, and like that straight up that comes through on this. Uh, but other than that, I, I mean, I think it, as far as the way the album sounds in my ears, it's fantastic. Like produced in a really fun way. The riffing is there. Uh, vocals are continuing to evolve in an interesting way and the cool thing is that the song lengths on this record are so tight and concise and the songs are faster than anything since one with the underdogs and uh they are still they they show that they still have the ability to chop it up between those really fast parts and the really punishing mosh parts and they have the ben cook the ben cook collab which is amazing because no warning is a band that everybody should fucking know. And uh, that was a great way to sort of put, put some shine on him as he was spinning no warning back up. And, you know, at this point he was probably starting to dip his toes in the indie rock stuff he does now too. But 
uh, and, and uh, any any album that says fuck off anywhere in it, I'm all in on, right? Like as a as a rival mob mob justice enjoyer, the fuck off is always a thing that I appreciate. Hugo. I I can't go all the way with you once again. Um, but I did enjoy this one more. And also this the cover kind of looks like that john carpenter record anthologies that he put out um yes. around the same time which is mostly it just made me think of their i mean it's pretty obviously like a horror thing that they're doing um but it's i i obviously prefer terror when they're faster so this was good and especially as i was going to the end of this journey i was like oh hell yeah 20 22 minutes i'm i'm ready let's go um yeah it's it's solid and i think uh a cool a cool turn um as especially as um i don't know as a later record it's it's fucking cool yeah i think this this is it's just it ceases to amaze me just that terror was able to do that where it's like because looking at the discography it's like there's that cycle where it's like banger banger slowly weans and then they're back up and it's just like again very crazy to think that they were able to pull that off and i think kind of like we're alluding to the 25th hour was that for them where it was okay we know live by the code might not have caught but this is gonna catch and it it definitely did um there's a couple good tracks on here i do like that the songs are much shorter and faster than you it's definitely a big bonus for the for this record in comparison to the last um I don't know if it would be in my top three or not. Probably not my top three. Heard. Um, I think that we can sort of fastball these last ones, uh, unless anybody has really, uh, really important takes on them. Um, they're entering their Pure Noise arc in 2017 with the The Walls Will Fall EP. Um, I think that it was kind of a, this was sort of like a down year for kind of everything, especially hardcore and like uh, really impressive that they were able to, to sort of buy the dip and still make something pretty good. Um, big mad ball vibes on this. Like again, all this stuff, like important context for this is all this stuff we're talking about is still better than 80, 85% of hardcore, right? Like terror, even at their fucking worst uh, are still better than, 80 to 90% of stuff that's ever been made. Um, I do really like the, the thrashy fast elements of it. There's even some caveman blasts, which I think is super fun. Um, again, just like showing their mastery of the landscape of tropes by just bringing tropes in and nothing ever really that they've done feels super heavy handed, right? Like, the anthemic stuff on the damn to shame is as close as they ever get to being fucking ham-fisted with anything that they do. Um, how about you guys? What do you think of this one? I think I missed which one we're talking about. Are we talking about an EP, right? Yeah, Walls Will Fall, 2017. Yeah, I, Fine if you I haven't even listened to this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's not speaking too well to um yeah that's crazy yeah i this one went pretty quick i couldn't really really tell you much but i think it is 
I don't know if it's the start of the arc, but the start of like the pure noise hardcore kind of kind of arc, which is um which is a cool thing. Um yeah. I really don't <laughs> I I really wish I had more to say about it. there's yeah, it's once again nothing nothing I mean, bad about it. I uh I stand a hardcore EP. It's just like when when people like terror is a case study in that like you can make a whole bunch of great stuff and even great stuff will eventually get old. Like uh, it's, it's like none of this stuff, like we're literally splitting hairs to compare these albums to each other. And it's like, it's really remarkable that you can have a first salvo of material as good as terrors was and not just completely fucking fuck off out of the, out of the world after not being able to live up to it. They've done all this, reinventing of themselves and done it in a very graceful way so um moving into like the the last and like just i just want to add on top of that most bands don't get to have multiple arcs right exactly get to have 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 the like a multi-generational crowd like it's like i think even if i'm like oh this is fine it's like i don't know maybe if it hits someone as the first time they're hearing it it's like a holy shit and that it's it's a blessing that to keep bringing in new people and into this cult that we call hardcore the nicest cult ever but it is a cult um yeah uh total retaliation in 2018 their their next pure noise release uh feels like a feels more like a synthesis of everything they've ever done than any other records um there are elements of every segment of the discography sort of blended together into an everything bagel kind of situation. Um, Impressive, impressive by any measure. Uh, It might've hit, I need to go back and listen to it when I'm not like at the back end of like a really long and drawn out listening exercise, because I bet I would enjoy it a lot. Um, There's nothing bad here. There's nothing embarrassing or even remotely offensive here. It's terror. Terror has a formula and it fucking works. And this record in particular is probably like one of the most impressive objectively because it shows their ability to string together all the different styles that they've done and be really nuanced with it. I was going to say this upon like re-listening, I like this a lot more than I remembered. And I, I can't pinpoint exactly why, like where I was when I first heard it. But I think, again, like going back to the idea of Terror having an arc, like obviously Terror had a very distinct sound from the beginning, but then there was definitely like the, we're sounding a little more like Hate Breed than, than we don't sound like Hate Breed. And I think that this record, it, it sounds like a good sick of it all record to me. I think there's a lot of like yes. overlap here with like, it's kind of anthemic, but it's it's got the fast parts. It's got plenty of gang vocals. And again, like I'm definitely not mad at it. I, especially thinking about kind of the last couple of releases kind of being you know a little a little less my thing and so i think this was a cool uh kind of like release where it had a lot of like terror dna in it but also was i'm drawing from some other spots i was also wondering and i don't i don't know if i'm way off base with this too but like this is almost then like terror's most like hardcore hyphen punk record in comparison to the rest of their discography yeah and I, I was wondering then like in 2018 
did angel dust have that punk hardcore record too like was that like the thing at the moment where people were like hardcore is cool but hardcore punk is also kind of cool like yeah. did we have that uh, Trapped Under Ice record, Heatwave, was that the same year? Yeah, so Heatwave happened in 2017, and I do think that that, that that made an important imprint. I also think that, like, 20, 2017, 2018 was in, like, Restraining Order was starting to pop off and stuff like that. Right? And you got, like, Bib and stuff like that, where it was, yeah. like, everything doesn't super straightforward hardcore anymore. Yeah, right, and, like, I think that the the genre has nothing but and the culture have nothing but benefited from that sort of reinfusion of the hardcore punk thing. Right. And, um, in a way, I think that terror was super future minded, uh, in, in their execution of these last few records, because they did lean more in that direction. Right. Short, fast songs, minimalistic composition. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool actually. Even the artwork screams more hardcore punk to me than any of their other releases, prior to this so yeah like the black and white you've got like the weird you know weird pictures i don't know so yeah it definitely felt like it was a a lot more of a punk record for Terra in comparison to earlier stuff and we're like now living in i don't know the aftermath of that ascent right now because like some of some of my favorite stuff lately like that peace test record have been on that hardcore punk like really fucking pissed off with like a little bit of PV, but not totally. So I think, yeah, it's a good, that's a good comp. That fucking peace test record sounds like Strife tried to make a fucking power violence record. Man, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's great. Um, do we want to say anything about Trapped in a World? Do we care? I care. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, interesting I, I think it's awesome i don't know i think again just a sucker for todd jones so i think like when i first heard it and i saw that it was him playing on it i just i immediately grabbed it shout out to andrew too from war so like i just i had to have it um and i do just like when when i put the record on a turntable it was like a very warming listening experience kind of hearing the like like just the fast picking of Todd and kind of yeah again because I think it was all recorded live too which also makes it like fuck I kind of really like this more than I thought I was going to a live recording is is fucking great man like it's always just such a treat feels like such an indulgence yeah it's a nice sneak peek to see like what would a record with Todd Jones and I don't know let's let's say this year what would that sound like? And it kind of <laughs> at the end of this makes me excited to see where terror will would would go next. Would it just be like a total throwback in a great way? Um, which would just be fucking sick. Um, I'm usually I didn't listen to it just because like I think I'm usually just not a fan of a band re-recording songs that kind of it strikes me as a little bit of a cash grab, but I I can see why anybody anybody would be into it. And I think the Todd Jones of it all, after his whole arc in the 2010s, um, is a cool thing. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely curious to see, oh, sorry, like where Tara's head is at then, kind of like you were saying, Hugo, like, did this plant some seeds for where they do want to go next sonic sonically i'm very curious to see yeah well i think we can kind of like 
use that as our jumping off point to put a bow on this, right? Like at the end of the day, like I think this was a cool exercise because it confirmed to me that like terror is the quintessential modern hardcore band, right? Like they are one of the reasons that they seem like almost such a cliche, like such a cartoon at this point is because they laid the groundwork for everything that became iconic about modern hardcore, right? Um, everything from the just salt of the earth work ethic to the really inclusive mentality um, to using sort of hardcore as a harbor for, for misfits, uh, making an entire career on the back of that ethos is, is good praxis, right? Like no matter how you slice it, uh, there, there, I think at this point, like next to sick of it all, probably like the kind of the pro core band, right. In terms of like grinding and having commercial success. Um, and again, I think that they were so influential, like so disproportionately influential that we did sort of get a little bit of an era in, you know, around 2010 and the blast zone years around that, where like they entered such best practice territory in hardcore to where like everybody kind of started sounding like worse versions of terror for a bit. And like, it's amazing when a band can have that big of an effect that they sort of temporarily bland a genre <laughs> but it only speaks volumes to how good they are and how how bad everybody wanted to be them and if you listen to somebody you know like tyler short or isaac hale now who's like a heavy hitter um the extent to which like current people in hardcore talk about um scott and terror as being like main inspirations at an ethos level it's just really amazing the impact that they've had yeah i think it's i think it's undeniable like Vogel is a is like the definitive fucking lifer and I think I don't think anybody could could argue with that at all um and again I think too like again thinking about the the, the history here like you know the audience or the crowd or whatever it is it's like you could look at that dude and be like this dude just genuinely loves fucking hardcore and music and hot water music and make do like all sorts of like hardcore hardcore adjacent shit that is just like undeniably cool and i think that also then like at this point you know in, in my own like hardcore career is like it's very admirable to be like dude vogel still likes this shit like i can too like he's he's with it yeah vogel's almost fucking 50 now and he still loves this shit as much as ever um and it's like new shit too it's not just yeah. like you know he's just not regurgitating a band from five years ago either it's like he knows fucking what is up which is not easy to say again i think when we think about older bands like you know again there's the comp to sick of it all but i don't think sick of it all could name five contemporary bands that That's are fact. good especially fact. yeah yeah, like um, Terror took out, I think it was like in the fall, One Step Closer, Dare, and Drain, which is, you know, all like kind of different pockets of what's popping right now. And I've, and he's, they've continued to do that. They opened for like Knocked Loose on a tour or something. So they, they have no egos about, about it. Um, and yeah, I got, like I said, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy um, when we were going through this, but. I really, I really enjoyed enjoyed this, and there's stuff in here that will be into my be in my regular rotation. It's always nice to do exercises with this because then when I listen to a new band, I can be like, oh, okay, I know exactly what you're doing, and that's half of why I like doing this shit is like 
seeing the modern bands that are still referencing this stuff for a band that's been around for 20 plus years. And like now, the cool thing is now that it's 2022, if a band started doing some fucking terror core shit, for one thing, I bet it would be good because uh, everything's good right now. Um, and I bet it would be refreshing and I bet people would love it and there would be a novelty value to it. Um, we are almost at time here and I, Nick, I do want to give you the floor for a second if you've got anything to plug. Uh, obviously, you, you're a man who does a lot of stuff and I want to I want to uh, make sure you get a chance to talk about anything you want to talk about. So go for it. God, it's, it's so funny because the times these are always like, oh shit, like what am I so overwhelmed? What am I even doing? Um, yeah, I don't know. Check out New Morality Zine. Um, if you're in the Chicago area, so like Jim and Hugo, I know that uh, CDO Skeda has a show this weekend with La Armada and they're going to do a record release show for their new EP, Soli Geta, pretty soon. Um, so it's some local shit that's really cool. Uh, check out Illusion 2. I think you all are Illusion. Um, and still, too, I know you all talked about them kind of a first episode, a new up and coming Chicago band. Uh, new Drown, new, wow. See, exactly. I'm like, just like so many thoughts. New Downward EP drops tomorrow. Very excited about that. Um, and if you're in California in August, uh, I will be there and I might be with some bands there. So stay tuned. Ooh, spicy! Getting uh, getting yeah. a track on some future stuff, and listen, like I we appreciate you so much joining us. It's nice to actually finally meet you. Uh, look forward to meeting you in person soon. I think that we we got some cool opportunities to really link and build this year, quote unquote. So we'll make some shit happen, man, for sure. Awesome! Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. I I'm now like reinvigorated with my love for terror. Good. I'm super glad we were able to do that <laughs> yeah. for you. It's a nice spot to be. Uh, Hugo, you have anything else? No, I just had I had a lot of fun, and it's it's been it's been nice seeing Nick at shows, especially because I interviewed him like a a month before the pandemic and everything. Yeah. So yeah, this was super super fun. Hoping to have more guests in the future and. Absolutely. More bullshit deep dives, because uh, that's what it's all about, baby. Yeah, just having a dude's rock good time, man. Hardcore rules. Um, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope everybody has a, a wonderful uh, month in, in March. This will be dropping. Uh, yeah, it'll be March 7th when you hear this. Maybe we'll start seeing some spring weather, digging out of this winter. Shit, a whole bunch of snow just fell here, and I'm mad about it. But it is what it is. <laughs> Never um, stops. Yeah. Everybody be safe. Take care of each other. Have fun. Hit some gigs. Listen to some records. Uh, much love. For sure. Talk soon. Peace, y'all. All right. See y'all. Yeah. Thanks again. See y'all. Yeah, no problem. Later.